Hey everybody, welcome to our daily podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and we're glad to have you with us today. I'm going to read a passage from John 4. It's actually a relatively long passage, so put your seatbelts on. This is Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and then we're just going to pray and then dive in, see what we can see in this passage. Let's read. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well with his sons and his flocks to drink from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship Jews, what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I ask you for grace to hear in the word of God, specifically this long and maybe familiar story. I pray that you would help us to see truth here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for this story to make any sense to us, we need to understand something about Jews and Samaritans. You you pick up on the tension here and just the simple language of the passage, but Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus here is, uh, is, is treading on some thin ice culturally, and his journey takes him through Samaria, which is an odd choice for Jesus. It's as if Jesus is looking for this opportunity. Jews typically would have gone around Samaria because they wouldn't have wanted to deal with being tainted or ending up in a conversation such as the one Jesus is in. Jews looked down on Samaritans. They felt they were weak and fickle. They had caved in uh, with regard to outside forces at the time of the exile, and they just were hated by Jews, despised, looked down upon as uh, failures, frankly. And so 
they developed different rituals of worship. Jews worshipped here in Jerusalem. Samaritans worshipped on this mountain that they're talking about, Mount Gerizim. There were differences, but really there was animosity and hurt. They, they would not interact whenever humanly possible, except Jesus. He is not afraid of Samaria. He's not afraid of uh, people who are looked down upon. He's not afraid of people who seem um, disqualified. He goes right to the holiest spot in the region as if he's looking to encounter this woman. He's pursuing an outsider. And I think that's really important for us to consider because there are times where we feel like outsiders. There are times maybe where we need to hear that the heart of God is always geared toward the outsider, toward someone who might be looked down upon or disqualified. Jesus is not afraid of this. He moves right toward the awkward conversations. So what we see in terms of an awkward conversation is Jesus actually sits down at noon by Jacob's well, a famous a place where Jacob would have watered his flocks many hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and he converses with a woman, so a Samaritan woman, off limits on all fronts, but Jesus goes right there. He speaks to her, but there's even more going on than just her being a woman and being a Samaritan. She's there alone at the well in the middle of the day. Um, Women typically went to the well and still do today in the morning and again in the late evening and they would go in groups they would never go in the middle of the day and they would never go alone the reality in terms of why this woman's coming to the well alone in the middle of the day is that she's lost credibility she is uh, infamous in a small town she's um, got a checkered relational past she has a sexual history that people probably know and talk about gossip about and so she's on her own she's an outcast And Jesus initiates a conversation with someone who is an outcast because of their own sinful choices. I want you to hear this. Jesus pursues and initiates a dialogue with someone who would have been considered off limits. It's just the heart of God for her. So what does he do? He asks her for a drink of water. And she's totally caught off guard. This is not what she's expecting. Um, I don't know what she was expecting, but it wouldn't have been someone asking her to do something like give him water. And basically, he turns the conversation around and says, you should actually be asking me for water. And he's suggesting something that I think you need to hear, that I need to hear, especially in seasons of crisis and tumult. He's suggesting that he's able to give her something that will truly satisfy her. And I think this is the crux of the claim that Jesus makes to each and every one of us. He says, essentially, you're doing all this stuff to satisfy yourself. It's not working. I can give you something that will actually satisfy you, satisfy your thirst, your hunger. So he's revealing himself to her a little bit at a time, and he's paying attention to her heart posture. So she asked Jesus a question, which is a sign when she says, well, where do you get this living water? She's showing him that she's willing to engage. It's a sign of curiosity and receptivity. And I'll just say this. I I think that for all of us, Jesus, the heart of God toward us is to look for curiosity. When he sees a sense of curiosity and receptivity in you and in me, he presses closer. I think one of the things God's looking for maybe most in your life is openness, receptivity, and curiosity. A sense that she's now willing to make herself a little bit vulnerable. But if you notice in the conversation, after she does that, she immediately covers her track. She backtracks and wants to get into a theological debate with Jesus about mountains. Um, she's open and then she's not open. And I find that to be the story of my own life. It's like I go from openness to eh, hedging my bets a little bit. It's exactly what she does. 
But then Jesus turns the conversation in a really deep direction. He speaks to this woman of a gushing fountain. See, he tells the woman that if she says yes to God, she could have a spring that bubbles up, that gushes inside of her. See, she's looking to satisfy her need a little bit at a time, and Jesus is saying, I am a God who can give you abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. So when he speaks of this spring, what he's trying to say to her, and I think what the Lord would try to say to us through a story like this, is I can satisfy your soul in a way that your daily efforts will never accomplish. See, this woman is living on the edge she is not experiencing abundance. She's like many of us right now, a sense of growing desperation, of barely feeling like she's surviving. She's without friends. She's got a terrible reputation. She's underwater. She's struggling mightily. And while you may not have a terrible reputation, I don't know what you've got going on. What I do know is that all of us are feeling probably right now that we're living emotionally closer to the edge or maybe financially closer to the edge than we have in recent memory. See, her life is difficult, and she's beginning to understand that Jesus actually sees the difficulty of her life. And I wonder if that's where we need to be right now. I wonder if we might need to try to identify with this woman, or maybe more importantly, identify with this woman who's beginning to identify with Jesus. She's beginning to see, my life is not going like I want it to go. Things are not the way I want them to be, but I'm powerless to fix or solve that. And she's starting to see that Jesus understands it that he sees her situation, and that he cares for her. And I believe the Lord is inviting us to begin to believe that Jesus sees us and that he wants to speak and provide abundance to us that can only come from him. See, Jesus is looking to provide a permanent answer to her challenge. So he invites her to change how she's been attempting to meet her needs. Now, y'all, this is a big one. When Jesus points to the fact that she has had five men and she now has a man that's not her husband, he's not trying to shame her. What he's trying to do, actually, in a really delicate way, is say to her, all the things you've looked for to meet your needs and bring you security and satisfy you, it's never happened. It's never actually worked. And I believe the Lord would do the very same thing to us. He wants us to recognize that the things we turn to, the things we look to, to try to satisfy ourselves or secure ourselves, that those things never really get the job done. He does it for her, and I think he's doing it or would love to do it for you and me. But he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just leave her there sitting with her need. He begins toward the end of this passage to speak about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Spirit and truth. He's saying to her, there's a better way. I'm not going to try to control your behavior, Jesus says. I'm going to point you to the work of the Spirit, the idea that we would worship God in spirit. I believe this points to an inside job, us learning to make room for the person and work of the Holy Spirit, rather than simply defaulting to food, drink, sex, money, security, whatever we've been looking to to satisfy us. In that sense, this woman's really not so different than me or you. And Jesus looks at her, and I think he looks at us, and he says, you need to make room for the person of the Holy Spirit, an inside job where God would come in and soften your hearts, where he would give you spiritual gifts, he would teach you to be quiet, to be still, to become a reflective person who knows how to practice the presence of God, rather than a reactive person who's living outside in rather than inside out. My prayer for us in the next weeks and months is that the Lord would give us the grace to tend to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. One of the major points of emphasis 
in the podcast that Karen and I are going to be doing is going to be the person and work of the Spirit uh, and the effect of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer individually, but also in the heart of clusters of believers. Guys, God wants to renew our center. I believe that that's something he's going to do. God bless you. Go in peace. I pray today that you would quiet your heart and open up your hands and make room for and invite the Holy Spirit to come close and work in your heart. I believe if we pray those prayers regularly enough, the Lord's going to meet us in really powerful ways. God bless you. Amen. We'll see you soon.